Our scripture this morning again comes from the book of Mark, the ninth chapter. We're just kind of picking up from last week's scripture. We're reading Mark chapter 9, verses 38 through 50. Hear now the words from the gospel of Mark. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly, I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Jesus will by no means lose the reward. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, Tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hell, where their worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of God's word. Let us pray. Father God, these are not the words that we normally want to hear from you. But Lord, we also know that there are words that we need to hear from you. So, Lord, speak to our hearts this morning the message that you would have us take away from this passage here in Mark. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the course of any particular week, at any particular time, I may be sharing with somebody in the community or in the area about our church here at Red Ridge, talking probably mostly about the ministries that we do and the heart that you have for mission. And from time to time, I'll get this question. Well, where is your church located? How do you get to your church? Well, if you're coming from Dadeville on Highway 49, you come to the intersection of Highway 49 and 34, and you turn left, and we are right there on the right. 
If you're coming from Auburn on 280, one of the ways that you can come is to again make a left on Highway 34 and come all the way to the intersection of Highway 49 and we're there on the left. If you come from Realtown, <laughs> you stay straight on 49 past the main gate of Stillwater's Resort and you come all the way to the intersection and you turn right. And there are several other ways to get to this church. But as you can see, there are different ways to get to Red Ridge United Methodist Church. But all of those ways lead directly right here, right here. In our text this morning, Jesus is talking about this kind of thing in a roundabout way. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus teaches his disciples about ministry that involves service and sacrifice. Now, I'm not saying that the disciples were slow, but they kind of got the idea that all of Jesus' teachings weren't necessarily for them sometimes, that they were for other people. It didn't really dawn on them that his words applied to them as well. But Jesus' response to the disciples assures them that the reign of God can be served in many and diverse ways. We too, here this morning, should pay attention to those who serve Christ in new ways maybe even different ways from our own. From the sound of Kay's class that's going to be held on the 8th, that may be yet another way to serve and to honor God. You know, a lot of people today are looking for nice words, nice, comfortable words that will make them feel good about themselves and their faith journey. But here in Mark 9, that is not what we get. He uses words, we read and hear words that cut us, perhaps, to the bone. And it's almost, if you listen, if you can imagine in your mind's eye, the tone that Jesus uses, it's almost like he believes that this is a matter of life and death. That's how important it is. And so it is. And so it is. These verses in Mark are hard to hear. They are legalistic words of damnation, not grace, like we long for. These words challenge us to examine ourselves and our quality of discipleship. 
it perhaps forces us to answer the question, or at least entertain the question, is following Christ at the very core of my being? Is following Christ at the very core of my being? And the idea that is presented here in Mark is that that those, are, those who are not against us are for us. Those who call themselves Christian are all under the same authority. And that's an awful big umbrella to be under. We're all under the same authority and we all have the same mission in life. To share the gospel of Jesus Christ and promote him as our Lord and Savior. But people do take different routes to the same place. When Bill and I first came here to Red Ridge, living there in Stillwaters, we realized very quickly that there were two different ways to get from here at the church to home. And so, of course, we did the normal speculating thing. Well, I think this way would be quicker. No, I think this way is probably quicker. So we set out to see what was what. So he went one way one day, and I went the other. Basically, it's the same distance. Of course, there are variables that, that may tweak that from time to time. But we both ended up at 139 Beaver Point, even if there was just a touch different. Here in our scripture, though, this morning, Jesus is hes condemning. He's condemning the narrowness of the thinking of his disciples. You see, he understands that everyone does not have to think alike or speak alike or act in the same way, especially when and where they serve God. We're all different with all different gifts and talents and abilities. But we all who claim to be Christian carry the same banner and we seek the same thing, the glory of God. And that can be done in a whole lot of different ways. Our worship styles may be different. Even our creeds or our mission statements might be different. But if we're all expressing our worship to God, God gets it. God gets it. And Jesus wanted the disciples to understand that we have to have charity for each other in our differences. 
as long as our eye is on the prize of glorifying God and bringing honor to his name, that's the main thing. When he talks here in Mark about the little ones, all of those who are in the faith are considered little ones. And especially those little ones who might be new to the faith. Or even those who are weaker in their faith than others. Remember the whole discussion about what you can eat and what you can't? And how we're supposed to allow for those differences? The sin of offending one of God's children is as great as the love of Jesus Christ for each one of those children. That is t-shirt worthy, but it's also worth repeating. The sin of offending one of God's children is as great as the love that Christ has for each of those children. Jesus goes on to talk about a millstone here in the scripture. And he's using language that the people of that time will understand. Now, I dare say that wouldn't compute to us in this modern world. But to the people in Jesus' day, they knew exactly what he was saying and what he was talking about. Jesus is saying that the fate of one who steps over others, vying for, for position or for status that causes them to stumble, their fate will be worse than that. Offenses caused by proud spirit will be punished severely. We're not just talking about body parts here. We're hearing about the dangers of keeping someone from a full productive relationship with Jesus Christ. We're hearing a warning to the organized faithful about being too organized or too rigid, if you will. Are we as the church a living, organic body of Christ? Are we a calcified institution more jealous for our status positions than being jealous for the gospel of Jesus Christ? And I think that is a statement that we as a church need to keep back here in our minds, always. 
And then to follow that up, are we guilty of cutting others off from the gifts that God has gifted them with? I used to work with a lady in Birmingham who was constantly doing nice things for everybody. Everybody around the office she would do nice things for. She was very thoughtful and came across very caring. But you could not even gift her with a piece of chewing gum without her running to dig in her purse to pay you back. She could give, but she did not have the gift of receiving. And I found that to be very frustrating. There are people in our churches, in our community, who have special gifts and talents, who have thoughts and ideas that have come from God. But we're not willing to hear them out or to let them speak. And when we do that... We don't allow them the gift that God has gifted them with. Do you remember a couple of months back, we had a gentleman come into our worship service, and he came in by himself. He sat by himself. After the service, he walked up to me, and he asked me, would you mind if I sang in your sanctuary? And I thought that was a little bit of an odd request. It kind of took me back a minute. But my response, even as I was thinking that, was, yes, of course. And so I continued on to the back, not really understanding what he meant or what he was going to do, if he was going to do anything. And as I got about right there where Jennifer is sitting. He was making his way up towards this area right in here. And he stopped, and he opened his mouth, and he began to sing loudly, surely, purposely, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. That was the most beautiful, purest piece of praise to God that I had ever heard. And he wasn't doing it for show. He didn't come up here and grab a mic and get everyone's attention. He was responding to what God had done in his heart. And it was absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And I'm sure that as he left, more than one choir director and choir member rushed up to him and said, come back, join the choir. 
that was not why he was here. He came to worship his God and to immediately give his response to that worship. What a beautiful gift. And had we said, no, you're not allowed to do that, look what we would have missed out on. We have to allow that God works in other people in different ways than he works in us. If our motives are pure and our goal is to glorify God through his church, then it should be easy for us to allow the thoughts and the actions and the ideas and the opinions of others. Even though we've never done it that way before. Or we're not supposed to do things that way. If our motives are selfish and self-seeking and our goal is to simply control or conform someone else's thinking to our own that we're comfortable with, then our sin is as great as our need for control. According to Jesus, here in the scriptures, we can't be neutral. We can't be neutral. Either we are working for the kingdom, or we're working against the kingdom. Mark understands this passage to be a general message, if you will, to all of us about tolerance, about hospitality, about covenant loyalty to each other as Christians. Can we say this morning, as we read and hear God's word, that we've gotten that message? Can we honestly say as we look around the room at each other as we go back and see who was in our balcony for the day can we honestly say that following Jesus Christ is at our very core can we see that we each may travel that road differently, even a different road? And if we can't, 
perhaps we need to go back and revisit Jesus' words here in the Gospel of Mark. Let us pray. Father God, melt us, mold us, bend us, shape us. Lord, make us be pliable and open to the gifts that you have gifted others with, whether we agree, recognize, Lord, at least let us entertain the possibility that you work in others every bit as much as you work in and through us. This, Lord, is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray.